Hey, welcome to episode 76 of the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor, and I sincerely hope you're doing okay. Um, crazy times. I'm still trying to get my head around this whole coronavirus thing, and um, I'm going to stay safe, I'm going to be smart, and I'm going to be kind. So how about you give that a try too? Now, before we chat to Mr. Daryl Beaton, here's a quick message from Support Act on their Sound of Silence campaign. The hardworking people who provide the soundtrack to Australian life need your help right now. Australian artists, crew and music workers are among the most vulnerable with regards to job stability and mental well-being. Almost overnight, COVID-19 has devastated the industry, leading to cancellation of thousands of events and threatening the livelihood of an entire sector. These people have lost income that can never be replaced. The music world has historically banded together to donate time and money to those in need, as seen recently with the bushfire relief. Now they need the Australian music-loving public to do the same. This is a real and present crisis, and this is a very real SOS. If we don't act now, and soon, the only sound we'll hear in the future, silence. Please go to thesoundofsilence.com.au to donate. You can also buy an SOS t-shirt there. Also, if you're in a position to do so, please donate to Support Act. This vital music charity provides crisis relief services to artists, roadies and music workers directly affected during this difficult time. Links to Support Act and The Sound of Silence are in the show notes of this episode. Rightio, episode 76, Daryl Beaton, here we go. Today is Daryl Beaton. Daryl is a multi-instrumentalist, music director, songwriter and producer. Born and raised in Tasmania, Australia to a drummer dad and a singer mum, obviously music is going to be part of everyday life. DB moved to Sydney in his late teens to begin working his way up the ladder to become one of Australia's leading musical directors. In his late 20s, a trip to Morocco, then on to Africa to study the music, he came home with a completely different outlook on life and music. After meeting the Martinez brothers, they formed a band called Daryl Beaton and the D1 Cartel, which went on to write and record an album as well as play the Sydney scene. Daryl has gone on to work with Guy Sebastian, Stan Walker, Diana Rubas and many more to TV shows like Sunrise, Dancing with the Stars and when Kanye West is in town, he calls Daryl to help him write Grammy Award winning songs. These days, DB is keyboardist, guitarist and musical director for two of Australia's best Delta Goodrum and Jess Melboy. As well as discussing all the things I've just mentioned here, we dug deep into the inner workings of a musical director and Daryl's approach to all that stuff. Really fascinating. So ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Mr. Daryl Beaton. Cheers. Cheers. 
I think we're rolling. Daryl Beaton, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. Bro, thanks for having me. We've been trying to do this for a while. We now. have. We have. You're yes. a busy man. <laughs> I'm glad we could make it happen. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit to start off with about Firefight concert. Mm-hmm. Um, for people don't, that don't know, it was a concert put together, 27 acts, is that 27 right? 27 acts, yep. yeah. Um, one day, um, you... Played with well, you, your musical director for Jess Malboy and yep. Delta Goodrum. Yeah, that's right. And you did both those gigs. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated about how that all came together and how far out did you know that something like that was going to happen and how did you how did you <laughs> put it together? Yeah, look, the reality it was it was about a week wow. before the gig we we got the green light and um, we kind of. There was talk about doing something in the industry before then, and you would suspect that that those two acts that I work with would probably be part of it. Yep. But the green light was a week before, so prep was pretty pretty crazy. Right. Um, you know, I had to put all the the arrangements together. And we do pre production because there's no sound checks on the day. It's literally right. roll on play. Wow. And um, so it's quite frantic. So that the prep needed to be right. Mm. Uh, otherwise things can go wrong. I mean, there was 15-minute uh, sets yep. and 10-minute changeovers. Right. So if you, you your, your changeover went over 10 minutes, that eats into your 15 minutes. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? So it was pretty – it needed to go right down to the to the wire. Right. So. Did, did Delta and um, Jess come right after each other? Unfortunately not. not that would have right, made right. my job a well, lot yeah, easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, they were, uh, Jess was on around sort of 3.30 and then Je- uh, Delta was on – Closer to like five fifteen or five thirty. Right. Yeah. Um, so no, unfortunately not. That would have been, that would have meant I would have had two sound check times to sort of yeah. check. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, all my gear anyway, all the right. keys, guitar, and and playback that I run and all that mm. kind of business. Um, but it, it surprisingly went really well. You yep. know, hats off to the production crew. They were just astounding. Yeah. I mean, it's frantic, but they, everyone was super respectful super across everything, couldn't help you enough and um, everyone doing it for free. So yeah, it, it was just really inspiring to be part of something that's so charitable and um, for me actually it was like making a bit of a statement about the arts and how powerful we really are. Yeah. Um, you know, given things like the arts department's been rolled into like yeah. Department of in- Infrastructure that's and right. all this yeah. business, it really was uh, I think a bit of a – yeah, a bit of a statement saying, look at what we can look, do. Look at us, yeah. Yeah, when we rally together, we are an important part of society and deserve to be recognised, really. Totally. And to have a department that doesn't even have arts in the title is kind of, doesn't make any kind of sense. Yeah. So it, 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 the whole day meant a lot. It was, there was a lot of um, underlying meaning to it, you know. Yeah. Just um, Aussies helping out other Aussies. And everyone doing it for free, but there was sort of that underpinning too. That like, oh, look, look at look how at us. look how mad the the music industry is, and look yeah. what we can do when we when we decide to. And Celeste Barber out the front going, yeah, Man, she's a cracker. <laughs> yeah, she's such a cracker. Did, did you get to meet her? Yeah, I met her yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, we, yeah. We've we've done a, a a few gigs where uh, Jess Malboy and her have been on the same thing. She's a massive fan of Jess's oh, actually. Great. Yep. And um, 
she's like that 24-7, bro. So yeah, yeah. even in, even in the green rooms and stuff like that, she's like that. She yep. just is on. Yep. She's a, uh, her energy level is just something to be admired. Yeah. My wife and I followed her whole Instagram story right through the right through the fires and when she started out, what was, mm. what was the 30,000 was the yeah. her initial <laughs> target. And then she weird, po- right? Yeah, and she but she was posting and then crossing over to her her family and she still had that wit but was also, you know, devastated by the fires yeah. and Yeah, it was personal. It was yeah, personal oh, totally, for, totally, yeah. yeah. Um, and what did she end up? Uh, 52, 52, 60, 56 million. That's mind blowing. Unbelievable way. Eh? Yeah. And then, and then there was this, um, apparently the money wasn't going to be able to get distributed out because of some, some rule in the RFS, but right. I, I, I believe that's been sorted and the money's gone where or is going where it's supposed that's to go. So it should. Yeah. 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 I mean, they you, change laws for that shit, eh? <laughs> and yeah. When, you look at it, when you're talking about those figures, months, it's yeah, worth yeah. changing the law for. Yeah. 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 Oh, that'll help so many people. And, um, I just did a gig with Stan Walker down at, um, Bateman's Bay yep. and we, and that was for people who have, you know, lost their homes and, uh, and had sort of, you know, devastating consequences to the, to the fires. And, um, so I got to see firsthand some of the, yeah, what's, some, what's happening. It's, what's the feeling down there? Well, the fact that people care about it enough to do concerts and to raise money, I yep. think it's really inspiring for people to think, well, we're not in it alone. Mm. And, um, like I sort of said before that Aussies help Aussies. And I think that's something that, um, we should be proud of, you know, in, in this region. You know, New Zealand's the same too. We we kind of we got each other's backs when it's yep. important, and so that there's the feeling of yeah, they've lost everything, but they feel that the they're about to embark on you know regrowing their communities and and uh, and, and there's a there's a way to to, to move forward. Yeah. yeah. And mm. people heading down there go down with an empty esky. Empty esky, bro. Yeah. And spend fill some it money. up down there. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. that's really cool. All right, man. Um, let's roll back early days. Roll back. Right. Roll back all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you were you born in Tasmania? I was. Okay. Yeah, I was born in a little beach town, country beach town called Devonport. Yep. Um, yeah, I I lived there uh, most up to up to sort of late teens. Yep. Um, I. I'll, if we're rolling back all the yeah. way, my, my my mom and dad are musicians. Yep. Yeah. My dad uh, he passed, but he was a drummer, and my mum was a singer. Mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of my early grounding in in playing. You know, I played for my mum. Yep. Um, and what kind of music was she into? Wow, they were doing everything. Man, my my dad was a big, uh, you know, Stevie Stevie Wonder fan, but he was also into like weird. Metal, uh, not metal, like uh, rock, like prog, sort of. Yeah, like Uriah prog. Heap and, and yes, and bands kind of, like yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was into it all. My my awesome. dad had a really really sort of eclectic uh, taste for music, and um, yeah, the drummers tend to be like that because I think they get a little bit bored playing the one style a lot, and they like to sort of broaden their horizons. And so, yeah, he, he exposed me to to so much music. So I mean, obviously, he w- was my mentor and. Mm biggest hero really i mean he represented a, a working musician and he was happy doing it mm. and um he was well respected in 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 the region you know mm. um, people loved my old man he was he's just one of those good dudes who um reliable played well mm. um had so many friends it was ridiculous and, just uh, had the ethic just <laughs> yeah yeah he used to pass on gold all the time man like you know right. 
uh, I'd see how he'd like we'd rock up to a gig and then in some of these gigs there'd be a crew or whatever and my dad would just go the extra yard talking to the crew right you know these and every, some of the other musicians just wouldn't give him the time of day but my old man was like you know he, he he'd really he was that kind of person he really liked socializing anyway but he always had time for every person on on a gig you know because and he used to say to me you know be nice to people on the way up because you might meet them on the way back down right because no one stays up forever right yeah that's it so um I just saw that how that how that worked, and every, then then everybody would have time for him as a result. He was just a, he was just that good dude, and he and he could really play, man. He was a great musician. Yeah. Um, so we had a little family band thing early on. Um, so I think probably the only thing I feel like I can do well as a musician, probably my best skill would be that I play with a singer well, and probably why I've ended up working for. You know, Malboy and yep. Delta is because yep. I know I can interact with singers well and maybe even particularly female singers because of my mum because right. I, I was right. used to, right. like, if I got something wrong and my mum my wasn't happy about it, yep. uh, I'd be living with that, you know, for a couple of weeks at home. You know, yep. she'd remind me, oh, yeah, you know, that you know that chord you played wrong on the gig last week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be hearing about it for a while. So yeah. I, I, I kind of learned to get it right so yeah. that I didn't have to uh, suffer. <laughs> yeah, the what I'm just thinking about there too is when you were talking about how your dad made time to talk to everybody and that must hold you in good stead as an MD because you have to you have to talk to everybody. You have yeah. to get on a level with everybody and make them feel feel good and special and comfortable. And That's right. Yeah. And, you know. And if you, um, sorry, and if you, don't, if you haven't seen that before. How are you going to work out how to do it? Eh? Yeah, that's right. It was really a, a good grounding because so, he used to speak differently to different people. Yep. That's kind of what I picked up. And it's the same when we, uh, when I'm mus- working in, as a musical director. Not everybody communicates on, you know, on a muso kind of level. Some people uh, like to really have things broken down. Yep. Some people like to talk in, you know, colours or whatever. You know, yep. there's, there's so many different ways of conveying an idea. And my job as a musical director is just to convey ideas and to keep – sort of cohesion in the group and also deliver on what the artist vision is. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an interpreter. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, even even within the, the, the bands that I, that I work with now, there are some people I need to kind of like talk about it in a spiritual sense and then I, then I extract what I need musically out of them that way. There are other people I, I need to talk like strict harmony. You know, I start, I start digging out the theory and then we break it down yeah, into, right. into, yeah. no, into facts and figures and um, that works. Yeah. So by, by any means necessary, I, I kind of try to communicate what needs to be done in that setting and, yet yeah, I got that from Dad. He was the best at it and, um, yeah, that's – it was a privilege to see that happening from such a young age and just to see how that it works. Mm. It works like, oh, yeah, my old man talks to everybody. Yeah, he changes it up when he talks to this other bloke and they all like him. Oh, that's and why. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Oh, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was really useful. Mm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, and, and my old man had a sort of a background in, in the military as well and in uh, like uh, rudimental Pipe bands and stuff like that. So yep. yeah, so he had a really good uh, practice regime, and he yep. was quite disciplined. So I got to see that in practice, and um, you know he could read really well and all those kinds of things. So yeah, um, yeah. So that was kind of early on, and then I got in. So the idea was I was going to be a classical musician. Yep. So I was I was that geek 
who went to lessons from like right. uh, you know five six years old. Was it ever drums though? Uh, I, want, I wanted to play drums. Yeah. I was like, I was, and you do play a little bit of drums, yeah. Man, I, yeah. I, I play a little bit of everything now because yeah, yeah. The, yep. the the thing was my, my old man was like, ah, oh, because I used to admire him. I said, I want to play, I want to play kit. Can I jump on your kit? And he'd say, No, if you're going to be a musician, I want you to make money. He said, "Don't be a drummer, man." and drums, man. If you want, he said, "If you want to always be working, play piano." Because he knew, like, because you could cover. Um, you can play a whole bunch of gigs, a whole bunch of genres. You can play on your own, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, he, I guess, he knew. But look, that said, as soon as I heard that, there was like a, you know, red red cake to a ball. I was like, "Nah, man, I got to play everything." So, I saw. Uh, I remember I saw a, a sort of a, a doco concert thing, Bring on the Night, the Sting yeah, yeah. thing, I'm sure you know it. Yep. And they interviewed Omar Hakim and Omar Hakim was like, no, nah, man, I wore, instead of watching TV or or loafing off, I, I used to just play any instrument. It was kind of like instead of wasting your time, pick up something else because they're like, I got the understanding that they all interconnect. So if you play a bit of guitar, you can you can totally relate that to piano and vice versa. So... Um, as long as you're playing a musical instrument and not wasting time loafing off doing some other yeah something that's not not going to be fruitful, then you you know it's it's still music. You're still going to feed into everything else that you do. So as a consequence, I just tried to play everything I could get my hand on. So I, I you know, my old man said, "Don't be a don't, what did you say? Jack of all trades, master of none." Yeah, yeah, that's it. But <laughs> I just went. That that was the rebellious side of me. Went yeah, nah. So I bought a guitar and then I I started you know when I eventually went to uni, I started playing saxophone and. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I use it all now. Even even if even if I'm not a an amazing guitarist or bass player or drummer, it it gives me that language that we talked about. Yeah. Like so now, as a music you under, director, you understand I, that space. I can talk to drummers yeah. in a way that they know what I'm, you know, what I need or what you know how we can get the best out of the music. And yeah, so it's been it's been useful being a multi instrumentalist. I mean, piano is always my right default, but. Um, yeah, I, I go through phases, and I get bored with music. So I got to keep rolling, man. I can't. I don't want to sit still. So right. um, if I get bored playing piano, I have to play. I'll, I'll pick up a guitar and try uh, to do okay. something new. You just said you get bored with music. Does that mean you get bored with a, that type of instrument? You go to another instrument, yeah. or do you just pull yourself away from music for a bit? No, I mean I, I can't. I I can't. Don't think music is uh, <laughs> no. That's music's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I, th- I meant sort of in terms of um, playing piano or something. If I if I feel like I'm slowing down or going stale on something then i'll move you know and i'll I'll, I'll pick up something else and try and try and play that because it it seems to keep things rolling and i never want to i've always had this thing where i've said to myself if if i disrespect music it'll be taken away yeah right so by disrespect i mean if i take it for granted i don't work on it i don't stretch i don't grow then it'll be taken away yeah so i've always had this sort of little sense of urgency in the back of my mind to just to keep learning and um, keep doing something fresh. And saying that, what are you working on right now? Uh, well, I... Because <laughs> I, I have I have down here, do you still practice? Yeah. And, and yeah, it yeah. Sounds, sounds like I, you do. I, I do, I do. Um, well, one of my more recent endeavours is I bought a flute. Cool. I bought a clarinet. And I've actually uh, been playing some of those instruments on, on some music of my own that I'm working on. Oh, great. I don't know, I just... It's uh, it keeps it live and it's real. Very and... Jethro Tull. Yeah, man. <laughs> I don't know if I'm at that level <laughs> no, yet. But, um, yeah, so that's been the more recent one. And and uh, what I, I a couple of years ago I bought a shakuhachi. So I've been trying to 
teach myself how to That's play. That's a Japanese. Yeah, the yeah, Japanese bamboo yeah. flute. Yeah, awesome. Um, Man, I'm always uh, yeah, I'm trying to do yeah. So that's that's the more recent one is some woodwinds. Um, yeah, acoustic guitar is kind of like that's my. Um, uh, I don't want to say love hate, but it's my it's a huge challenge. Right. What, why why is the challenge? Just because I know I can hear and feel what I want to play, and I ah, see people right. doing it, and I and and um, I feel like it's you know I'm growing, but you know there's a long way to go. So okay. I'm always picking that up. I'm always practicing. Probably the most practice I do these days is on acoustic guitar. Right. Yeah, but I love it. I love. I, I can love imagine because I mean because you're a master piano player. Well, well, <laughs> that's still uh, still learning yeah, too. I mean, well, but I mean, what what I'm what I'm leading to there is if you know you're being so proficient on piano and you know you, you're playing without even thinking. You know what you want to do. You can more often than not. Do what you're thinking. Mm. Get on another instrument. Your thinking's probably still the same, mm. but you don't have the facility yet. Yeah, that must be frustrating. Yeah, it can be just a physical thing. A physical thing. Yeah. I, I had some someone explained it to me once that um, the mode of thinking as a piano player is kind of like a horizontal way of thinking. So you're thinking left to right because on piano everything is laid out for you. It, oh, it's, right. it's a bit hard to explain without showing it visually, but um, that's why piano players especially tend to be able to learn other instruments fairly easily because they they think in in that sort of imagery right. so everything's laid out whereas a guitar is a little little bit more convoluted in the way I, it's laid I understand out what you're saying, yeah. so so to translate that to another instrument is, is a little bit nonsensical so um, sometimes it's an advantage sometimes yep. it's a disadvantage because <laughs> you know I'm, I'm thinking as a piano player trying to play acoustic yeah, guitar right. doesn't always work out well right. <laughs> sometimes it works out great Right. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, like I have, I have some guitarists that go, well, "What's that? What's that uh, voicing you did there, bro?" Because I'm, I'm trying to find things that an, a typical guitarist wouldn't I, go I, for. I know what you're saying. So it looks sometimes it's, it's a, I have, have uh, some some success with it, and sometimes it's a challenge. But yeah, I'm, I'm up for the journey. Awesome, man. Mm. Um, now what kind of drummers was your dad listening to? Yeah. Well, uh, oh, sorry. Was was he listening to specific drummers, or was he listening to specific yeah, music? He was. Yeah. Okay. No. Look, he loved Buddy Rich to bits. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, he, he was devastated when he heard all that recording on the bus and stuff. You know. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where Buddy's trashing the band and stuff. Like, he was just devastated. I remember sort of being around when he when he heard that. So he was a massive Buddy Rich uh, fan, probably because his his technique was just flawless, bro. I mean. That guy, obviously, I th- he had like the rudiments down. He he, he was and he's. Um, I think and my dad played trade grip a lot of the time mm. as well too. So that he was a he was a big fan of mm. Buddy um, Gad. Yeah, he he was a big Gad fan. I mean, he 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 based a lot of his any contemporary music he was playing. He 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 based a lot of his grooves on on Steve Gad. Um, yeah, look later on Jeff Caro, mm-hmm. all all that kind of stuff. Yeah, awesome. Um. Yeah, yeah. He but but he he listened. Yeah, he listened to everyone. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he uh, maybe that's why I get the don't sit still for very long. He was he he, he wanted to be listened to. He was new music around. all the time as well. Yeah. Um. What about your mum? Who was your mum listening to vocal wise? Yeah. Um. Uh, mum was listening to a bunch of things. She she was kind of into you know. She was listening to Renee Gayer and stuff around that time when, yep. when all that stuff was out, and um, 
you know, Chaka, a uh, bunch of the Motown stuff. But then mum started also was into like uh, musical theatre as well. So okay. she started to branch out into that. She still enjoys that. Um, and I, I did a, a few musicals with her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she sort of, sort of brought that to the table. Uh, and mum was the the sort of front singer in, in, the, in the family band. So she was kind of like showed me sort of, Talk to a crowd and yeah, right. <laughs> how to uh, interact, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that was a... Yeah. 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 Um, when did piano start for you? Uh, piano uh, at six. I started uh-huh. uh, class, uh, classical piano lessons. Yep. Um, lucky enough to have like the most amazing teacher. Uh, her name's Ruth Parsons. An incredibly patient and beautiful mentor and... She's like a second mum, you know. Like uh-huh. she was pretty hard on me, no doubt. Yep. But uh, I was with her for eleven years. Yeah, right. Yeah, and just, uh, just an incredible lady. And she's still teaching. I think she's got to be in her late seventies, if not eighties. Okay. And just teaches because she loves it, and yep. she's great at it. Yep. You know, you special takes a special breed of person to be that like her. She's right. Um, yeah. Maybe she used to get frustrated with me because I used to have this thing. I don't have it so much now. Where I used to be able to practice in my sleep. This is going to sound. <laughs> this is going to sound weird. I, I'll probably regret sharing, but I yeah. I used to look at music and then go to bed, and then in the morning I could I could play it. So th- there was wow. a time there where I used to have to keep a practice diary, and she'd want to see how much time I'd spent um, practicing, and it wasn't much. But I come along to lesson and I, and I could kind of play, right? Kind of play the stuff, right? Um, and she was kind of frustrated her a fair bit, so she used to think I was either not filling out the diary properly or right. bullshitting about something. So she sent me off into her other room where there was another piano and make me practice in there, so that I'd, I'd done some practice that week. But mm. um, yeah, it was a strange thing, and, and I, I think my my mum used to sort of say that I would my fingers and be moving when I was asleep and. Mm. I was kind of digesting it and, and and getting it underhand in in slumber, which is right. I, I don't know if it's weird. I'm, no, it's not weird. I, at I like all. to think I'm not the only person that that's that happens not, with. That's but, not um, weird at all. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was that was a thing. I still do it now. If I'm if I'm obsessing over something um, musically, like actually some of the stuff for this <laughs> that last concert we did, I knew there was right. going to be like a, you know seventy five thousand people at this mm. gig, and it's not the kind of place where you want to stuff up. So I right. was. Yeah, I was definitely doing a little bit of the old sleep practice at, at, <laughs> over the last few weeks. Um, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, I, that she was my, my first and probably, you know, greatest teacher, to be honest. Um, the technique that I got from working with her has helped me for everything. You know, mm. I, there's, there hasn't been anything that I've tried to get underhand and play that um, I haven't been able to do because of what she, the foundations that she sort of built up. Yep. So look, I, I still go and visit her every time I'm back home. I'm grateful. Yeah, awesome. She's incredible. And then I, uh, I went to study uh, jazz at uni in, in Tassie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, a, had an amazing teacher there called Mike Reynolds. He was uh, a guy from the UK, had a Leeds, my, and, and I had a composition teacher who was from Berkeley. And um, they were just, uh, Tasmania was a bit of like a retirement village for, you know, great American expats oh, who just right. wanted the lifestyle. Right. Know? I'm sure NZ's probably the same, yep. you know, where, you, where you're from. So they, they kind of liked 
you know, they kind of not retired, but they just liked the lifestyle I, down I there. So yeah. it was it was great. There was a, re, a, a real resource there. They were really incredible people. Um, and that jazz course was great. I mean, I connected with um, another great friend of mine, Greg Suda, who just he he taught me so much about the business, um, which was. Uh, I, I, that was lucky because when I, when I moved to Sydney, eventually, um, it was just a, a whole other dimension of because yeah. um, <laughs> I was still country, you know. Had you ever been to Sydney at all? I, I'd been once with my dad. We, we okay. came up and we did a brass band competition. Okay. I was 15 or 16 and but I, I hadn't really gone out. I, mean, I was 15 or 16 so I didn't do too much. I just We just went and did the, the competition and more or less hotel, a little bit of sightseeing and then back home. But, yep. Um, I, I, uh, I moved up because I was, I was doing a, like a chart reading gig at the casino in Launceston mm-hmm. and this woman came through and um, she said to me, look, you know, I live in Sydney. Do you want to be my, do you want to be my musical director? And I'm like, I'm, mm. I'm 19, 19, 20. And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I'll, yeah, let's do it. And so uh, she sort of said, oh, okay, well, move up. You, you can live with me and uh, you'll be my musical director. So I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm like, I'm already telling my friends, dude, guys, I made it. I made it. <laughs> this is this is huge. Um, bye. You'll never see me again. Yeah. So uh, like I, I I sold all my stuff, paid off all my bills. I had fifty bucks left over, and I and I flew up to Sydney. Uh, she picked me up for the, in the airport, and we we went to her place in uh, she lived in like in the housing commission area in, in Redfern, mm-hmm. and it was on the fifteenth floor of the housing commission joint, and the the uh, elevator didn't work, so I had to carry it's keyboards up and down 15, <laughs> 15 flights of stairs. Uh, my bed at the time was in a hallway, oh, so I used to have to pack my bed up every day, and then um, I, I, I stayed there for about, in the hallway in the in the room or out in the, the room. Of the, okay. It was in the apartment, but it was in 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 a hall, little hallway section there. Yep, um, which was great, you know, like it was. It's a roof, man. It was basic, but you know, it got me here. Yeah, and um, I just started, and you know, so I started being her music director, playing for her. Um, just yeah, and then I guess just plugged in. I plugged in. I started meeting some people, like you know, Peter Northcote was a was a great one who I, I met sort of randomly at one of his gigs and jammed and, and started to started to plug into that network and play. Got to, got to start playing with some. Great players and yep. So what what year was this? So you're at nineteen twenty. Yeah, I'm nineteen. Yep. I'm nineteen when I moved up. Twenty. Yep. yep. Something like that. Maybe maybe even twenty one. It's, it's a little vague now because it's uh, 150 yep. years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That was that's the, kind of the story about how I ended up here. And I was going. There was times where I was like, oh, do I do I go home? And, and okay. Was, the you know, I guess it's pride would have been like mm. I can't. I, I kind of, kind of, kind of told all my friends I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, you yeah. know, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, ne- I nearly went home too. Yeah, the first, like we we came out here in '94, right? And by '96, '97, I I was done. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because I'd never, I'd never left my hometown. My, I'd never left the North Island of New Zealand. Wow, I'd been up and up and down, obviously. Yeah. Um. So to me, it didn't. The, the fact that I was moving here didn't really compute. It was mm. just all a big holiday for me, you know. But once I got here yeah. and saw every what I needed to see, and then settled mm. down, yeah, I realised, oh, this is not for me. Yeah, the the, the tourist 
thing is over and but, then yeah. reality sets in. But ended up getting into a, into a, band, a cool band, a cool original band, and that was yeah. it. That was yeah, yeah. That makes all the difference. I I, I did this. I ended up playing with a lot of Islanders because I was uh, in Tassie. I, I was sort of I played with an amazing uh, older. He's passed now. Older uh, Maori singer called Leo De Castro. He's uh, he's like well he's pretty well known singer to come out of uh, NZ and he, he was living in Hobart mm-hmm. and uh, he well he was a, he was a tough tough dude man one of the, one of the still one of the best singers I've ever worked with and right. um, he was well he kind of prepped me he, he plugged plugged me into with a bunch of Islanders up here so I started playing you know, a few okay. bands uh, when I moved up here but he also prepped me for what it was going to be like he was he's a tough kind of dude like I remember uh, first time I played with him I was about I think maybe 16 or 17, underage, playing in a pub. And he called some Marvin Gaye song and um, and I kind of said, like, sheepishly to my mate was playing with him too, I said, oh, what, what key is this in? And he just turned around to me and he goes, play a fucking note and find out. And I was just devastated, man. He fl- oh. and This was in front of the crowd and everything on the microphone and he just, like, smashed me hard in in, oh. in front of everyone, in front of the band, everything. And I just, I just wanted the... the the, the stage to open up and just yeah. s- swallow me up and just disappear, but you know what? I mean, I it, it scared the scared the hell out of me, and I I was just determined from then on. Okay, I'm gonna my ears gonna be much. It's it, that's never gonna happen to me again. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and so he scared the shit out of me. So from that point on, but until I moved, I worked on that hard. I worked right. out hard out, and then by the time I got up here, I was kind of ready for. I was ready for playing by ear. I was ready. You know, I'd already. I'd already had those things underhand, mm. and if I, maybe if I hadn't, I, I probably would have been. I don't think I would have fared, fared yeah, as right. well. Yeah, I would have had to make it up on the fly, and might not have been able to. I might have gone home. You know, I'm, if I hadn't plugged in as fast, moved, uh, you know, especially financially, started making some some decent coin, I might have gone home. Right. Yeah, because it was pretty desperate for a while. In those early days, did you ever have to do anything else but music? Uh, I worked in a music store. Okay. Yep. Um, they used to call me the worst salesman they'd ever seen. Did <laughs> you used to sit there and just play music with That's the customers? That's exactly what used to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, a couple of my, they'll, they'll still laugh about when Damn, I go and see you're supposed to sell the album. Yeah. But no. it's an awesome album that we're, we're hanging. <laughs> oh, this was in a musical instrument store. So I used to oh, oh, right, just sit okay. there like playing piano or whatever. They, they go, great demo. Great demo. They go. <laughs> but I could, I could never sell anything to anybody because yeah. I always felt wrong to me. Like I always yeah. felt... I always felt dirty trying to push something down someone's throat. Did you used to go, so, oh, actually, this doesn't they want me to sell this one, but it doesn't play too well. So <laughs> this one's shit. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't get this. Get this one over here. It's yeah, on sale. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did that. I did that for a minute. Uh, that, that was good. Mm. That was, you know, I, I made a lot of great friends, friends I've, I've still got to this day. And um, so that's the only other job uh, when it, from when I moved up here. Yep. Um, I had, I was a builder's labourer back in Tassie. Okay. Uh, for my uncle, he, well, and he purposefully kicked kicked my ass, so that I wouldn't want to be a builder's labourer. It was kind of like a, a an uncle's lesson. Right. He used to make me do stuff like, you know, he'd say this: there's, there's, there's a bunch of bunch of sand on one end of the site. I need it on the other end of the site in an hour, and I saw I'd be there with a wheelbarrow. Running across the other end of the site, and then he'd say, "Oh, oh sorry, Actually, I made a mistake. I need a backup." Yeah. Yeah. Just, that old chestnut, you know that one. <laughs> and so, 
yeah, basically I hated that job after a while and, and, and practiced a whole bunch harder. Yep. <laughs> as a consequence. Yep. So it worked, yeah. So that's the only non-music related job I've ever had is, uh, yeah, builder's labourer and then, um, yeah, demoer at a music store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a sale. I think we, let's just go back to Tassie for a bit mm. and talk about some of the bands that you got involved in there. Mm. Um, you mentioned that you were playing in your dad's brass band yeah yep so yep. what instrument were you, were you playing i was playing uh no i was playing tune percussion and okay. um and a little bit of kit um but because you know i was obviously had a background in piano he he kept me on that so what was your dad doing when you were playing kit he he was uh uh snare drum oh okay so all the other percussion so okay. he was like the drum major okay so he was uh, we had a you know four or five percussionists and so i was mainly on glock and and uh, timpani and right. a few things like that. Um, so I, I used to honestly did that just really because that was my in when my dad was getting older. That was his passion. So it was my way of still staying connected, and just loving on my dad. You know, know that know that exactly. was his language. So yep. I, I'd turn up, and you know it was good for the reading, the reading chops too. Yeah, right. Because you know, some of that stuff can get pretty complex when you're in, in the sort of um, you, you're playing the A grade material. It's pretty mm. complex. So. Yeah, I did a bunch of that. I did uh, a few wind symphony mm-hmm. things where, um, you know, playing with uh, sort of wind orchestras and uh, I, yeah, conducted a few musicals. Um, Any pop rock type stuff down yeah, there? Yeah, I had I had the the the, <laughs> the hair band. I had I had the oh, yeah, hair, hair band. band. Awesome. Yeah, bro, and I had yep. the guitar. I had the whole lot. Oh, bro. sick. Yep, I did it. I did it. Um, I'm trying to bury any photos that exist. <laughs> But they're there, they're out there. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, and then, like I said, I just, once I found uh, what well, Leo de Castro and, and and some of the you know, just beautiful Polynesian brothers and sisters in Hobart mm. who were just playing the kind of music that switched me on, that was it. It was over. Yep. I was playing with them. Yep. I just wanted to play with them. They were playing Marvin, they were playing Stevie, they were playing Billy Paul, they were, play, they were playing, you know, the music that just uh, – it just set me on fire. So mm. that was, and then you start to hear vocal harmony and that's yeah, like <laughs> yeah. And I just, especially like you know, everyone knows that 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 what's going on album vocally is one of the deepest things you'll ever hear. So I just, I just started going to, to that school. That was that was my, you know, uh, Inner Visions album and 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 uh, what's going on were my like like daily mm. practice back then. You know, because mm. what the, the good. The good, good thing and the bad thing about Tasmania is there's, there's not much to do down there, bro. Yeah. So you've got a lot of time to practice. Yep. So you find there's a, there's a, there's a lot of gifted people down there because they've got a lot of time to work on their their, their instrument. Gotcha. Or, or whatever it is they're doing, whatever art form it is they choose. So um, yeah, that that was that was every day. You know, I was just I just studied that stuff and loved it. You know, pulling pulling Stevie apart. You know, right. I went to the school, Stevie. Yeah. Were you most. were you singing at this stage? Started no, to sing? no. Okay. I was a really late, late singer. I didn't think I had anything that resembled like a voice that I'd want to wow, really? hear. Um, still struggle with that, if the, if the truth be told. Just because, I don't know. I I, I work with some <laughs> ridiculously good vocalists, and and uh, that is, you know, I have this conversation with um, Diana Rivas all the time, and she's like, you know, she she, she helps me. Think about it, put frame it in the right way. Mm. But you, um, when you when you, I'm, I'm, I work with ridiculous singers. I just don't think. Well, why do why do I want to waste my time doing that? But then, 
you realize, well, I'm just communicating a story and it don't, I don't, doesn't need to be, uh, it doesn't need to be technically everything that you perhaps would like it to be. It just needs to mm. be honest. Yeah. And it needs to be, um, and you're a bit unfair. Similar. You've been a bit unfair on yourself trying to compare yourself <laughs> to the likes of Diana. Yeah. And Jess Melboy and Delta. Sure. Like yeah. they're, 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 they're yeah. you know, they're generation singers. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. on another level, you know. Definitely. Yeah, but no. So I didn't sing. I didn't sing at all. I was just an instrumentalist until I, I think I started singing. Well, it was well after I came up here, so I was late twenties. Okay. Yeah, before I even started doing anything, and then um, I started writing late as well. I mean, I'd been writing a little bit uh, as a younger, uh, younger dude, but yeah, when I came up here, I just sort of got the the bug to write original stuff and mm. but it was it was really I, I did a trip um I got asked to go to Morocco to produce an album mm. and so uh, with a, a friend of mine uh, Karim Sai who's a, an engineer from Paris just randomly he was working here he wanted to produce a record for his, his wife Penny and um just said will you come with us to Casablanca we're gonna produce a, a record and I'm like yeah, all right. As let's you go. Do. As you do. <laughs> Which is is so weird. But so I I I did three months in Casablanca. Wow. You know, uh, like downtown Casablanca, just immersed in like Arabic music and culture and food and everything. We we lived in the studio and um, and so I before then I'd been playing with a band called the River Band and and a, and a very dear friend of mine, Yao Gleiman, who's a, a Ghanaian friend of mine, had said he's a bass player, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing dude. Just. I mean, incredible musician. He but just, soul, is it Soul Nights? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. with Emilio. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he plays yep. in a, a bunch of bands. Oh, and, okay. Um, yeah, he plays bass, plays uh, drum, he plays a bunch of things. So he's yeah, a right. gifted guy and just a, one of my dearest friends. I, mm-hmm. I, I love that guy a bit. So he, he'd always said, look, if you get to Africa, let me know and you can go and stay with my family in Ghana. So I'd done three months in Morocco and I was like, okay, I'm going to go down to Ghana. But I'd always wanted to go where, the, where music had been born or mm. so so the idea was to go i was going to okay, i'm going to go to senegal because that's you know where the drum was invented so this is this is my this is kind of like my 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 journey to mecca to, to right but find the origins of music it was a, this yeah. romantic idea I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to the source and um yeah so I, I ended up living with a family in in dakar and in uh, a place called golf outside of uh, dakar and senegal for uh, for for a good good while I've studied balafon, like the African xylophone and stuff, and and then I went down and spent some time in Ghana. Went to the the uh, the, the, the uh, Pan African school there in a place called Kokrobite, and just just immersed myself in that mm. the African African music, you know, Middle Eastern music too, and that probably that experience really just changed everything. Like it, right? It it changed why I wanted to be in music because I, all of a sudden I wanted to I wanted to create my own music because I wanted to tell my own story. It also changed the reason, the, the motivation to play music because I had witnessed people playing music in, especially Senegal, it really hit me. They were playing music because they had, there was, they, they couldn't not play music. Right. If, if they didn't, express themselves in this way they were, they were, they were going to burst or something bad was going to happen. It was just, it was in the essence and it was just, you know, the, the stories that were being told, they were just so important. 
And so it, it just it made me reassess why are you playing music? Why are you in this? You know, oh, yeah, sure, it's in your DNA. Yeah, your mum and dad do it. Yeah, it's been in your culture. You've, you've mm. just done it all your life. But then it just put, just put uh, prioritised, okay, I'm in this because I have to do it. I, I, I have to express it and I have to give it. That's why I give it reverence now. Mm. I, I, I say I have to respect it mm. because it's, it's a powerful thing. And as the firefight concert yeah. demonstrates, right? Yeah. We, what you can do with music is just uh, un- unfathomable for the most part. So that trip, that trip to, 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 to Africa just kind of changed everything. Mm. And I came back like I was, I was a different dude. I was a different, totally different. How guy. long were you away for? Uh, probably would have been away about a year, okay. year or so. Yeah, three or four months of that was in Morocco. Then you know, six or so months of that in um, Senegal, and then mm-hmm. you know, I went to Ghana, went to Egypt, mm-hmm. did a, did a little bit of a round trip. Then um, yeah, that I, I came back and I was like, I, I, it just yeah, it shocked me to the core. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a yeah, it was an, an amazing experience. Really, I really yeah, I really think. It can be beneficial for a lot of people in general, actually, to go to take those kinds of trips, but musicians especially, you know, like the, the music that's being played and created in, you know, in, in not just Africa, like South America and places like that, places where it's, it's just so um, infused into yeah. everyday life. Yeah. You, you, you get a whole new prof- profound respect for, for music in general. Um, so, yeah. co- so coming back on the plane then, mm. what were you thinking? What, what are you going to do when you get home? <laughs> it was a few things were weird, right? Okay. So I, the other first thing was I hadn't really seen another white person for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So it was weird when I got off the plane. I was like, uh, I, I felt, I, I felt, I felt, you know, okay. I went to, I went to Africa feeling like I was going to feel sorry for everyone there. That's, that's, that, that was the, 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 delusional state I was in and then the way I'd been sort of indoctrinated into mm. Western thinking was that, you know, especially back then, this was, you know, 20 years ago, that, you know, everyone over there is poor and mm. and they're going to be sad. And, and in fact, the reverse was the truth. They, they, people were there, I'm having conversations with people there and they're, they're actually like, you know, are you all right? You know, like, <laughs> are, you, are you all right? You, your priorities seem a little bit messed up, you <laughs> yeah, know? Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, so coming back from that, once you have that experience of of just being forced to reassess your your makeup, it's it was it, honestly it was hard to assimilate back into Sydney life. Yeah, right. But um, but I just learned to incorporate some of those those things I picked up about you know loving music, using music to heal myself and other people, and and um, you know, bringing joy to people through music. I just I learned to to bring to to use that and, and infuse it into to my work. Right. And you know, it's still still with me now. You know, so most things I do now, if I'm not bringing joy to people, I probably don't want to be involved in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you do you you give a lot back too, don't you? You do mm. clinics and workshops and yeah, man. Um, that's an important part of it. Yeah, mm. I. I Especially, especially going back to Tasmania, I do clinics down there. I love giving back to people down there. Um, you know, Malboy and I truck off and do things in the Tiwi Islands and go and see the kids and mm. uh, do do things for you know indigenous literacy and 
Well, whenever whenever there's the opportunity to to use music to to help, yeah. Wow. Man. Yeah, we're there. Yeah, got to got to be. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, I'm always up for for sharing and. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much, but whatever I whatever I know, I'm I'm happy to mm. kind of give. Awesome. Yeah, so that, I'm always up for that. Mm. Um, let's talk about the Daryl Beaton band. Yeah. <laughs> so when did that when did that kick off? Yeah. Oh man, well, we made that al- uh, an album about what twelve fifteen years ago. Um, well, I I'd met Andre Martinez, who's who's uh, so basically. Uh, Daryl Beaton, the Dear One Cartel, is basically me and uh, the Martinez family, mm-hmm. essentially, and uh, another member at the time, Kevin Mendoza. But mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd met Andrew Martinez at a random covers gig, and he he just made me giggle, man. This yeah, guy, right. <laughs> I don't know why. You, you know, sometimes it's just a, a chemical thing when yeah, you meet yeah. when you meet someone and you just piss yourself laughing. This guy, he said he said a couple of things that, honestly, on on the when I was driving home from the gig, I was still chuckling at what some a couple of things he said. And to this day, he's, just when we get in a room, he makes me laugh. So I, re- I really dug this dude. I, mean, I, I knew, okay, I'll, I want this guy to be friends. And then um, he sort of, I, I, don't know, I don't know how it happened, but he said, you know, come around to the house. And I went around to their their family house and, and their family house was basically a, a, a rehearsal studio with a kitchen. And it was like <laughs> four or five yeah. bedrooms, all soundproof. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, with their beautiful mum, Gloria, in the kitchen, just try, trying to keep her sanity while... There's, you know, a hundred of them practicing guitars everywhere. And uh, and I saw that's when I met Donal, who's the D one in the Daryl Beat in the D one cartel. And yeah, musically, he's he's just my kindred spirit. You know, he mm. we we kind of we bounce off one another in a way that I've only have ever had that experience a handful of times in my life, you know. Mm. Um in in sometimes a really harmonious way and sometimes in a really combative way. Yeah. So it's. I think that's what makes it so great too. Eh? It really does. It can't man. always it's, be it's, nice. It's, it's it's fiery. So, um, you know, we, we, you know, he and I at the time we were really into Miles, the, the '80s Miles Davis stuff. So you know, where okay. Miles would chase them around, chase them around the stage, <laughs> the stage, and give them like little little motifs and push them to play. And so we were just we were doing that. We we're yeah. playing our version of that where I. I'd mess with him, give him something, make him play a solo and push him and he'd do the same back. And so we were just um, – that made for just like, I don't know, we lit a fire. We, we, we made a fire of music in, uh, and I brought sort of the framework of stories and, um, so you know, melody lyrics and some chords and um, I let him have his way with it basically. Mm. And um, it c- created some stuff I'm really proud of. I mean, it's, it's – Busy as hell, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know we, we were younger. I, I guess we had a lot to say, and um, I wouldn't necessarily make that kind of music now as mm-hmm. a as someone who is not as uh, I don't know. I got I don't have as much to prove, I guess. But um, yeah, it, uh, it it was fun. It was certainly fun to make that music, man. And mm. and you know we we had a we had a good little following. We used to do a couple of gigs like. Uh, the Civic Underground, and you know, we used to have a really good following of just and musicians. The Mac, too, the Mac, too, the eh? Mac bro, yeah. and it was just it was healthy. It was really healthy for the scene, and we we knew we were making a mark, and when we knew we were connecting really mm. well, especially with musicians, and you know, and people got it. They mm. got they got what we were trying to do. Um, you know, it might not. I don't think necessarily it would have. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't going to go mainstream because right. it was it was just it was, it was a lot of information in that music. 
But that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like that. Yeah, a lot yeah. of information. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that I mean, that's just, just a really, um, again, joyful period in, 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 in uh, my life and I like to think in, in the boys' life too. We still, mm. you know, we, I had lunch with them today. So yep. we, we, we still, we're very much family and uh, it, you know, I guess it, it just makes me proud. You know, I'm, I'm making me a little bit, I feel a little bit sentimental. But, yeah, so it's, cool. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's been joyful to, to hang out with that family in general. You know, they're just, just beautiful people and to make music. We, we made some good music and, and uh, sent out some good vibes into the world. It's pretty cool. Awesome. I'm pretty happy with it. Mm. Um, I'm, I, I like because basically I had all these stories from the African yep. trip, and I, and so lyrically I was I was telling those stories. I was talking about ancestry. I was talking about you know indigenous knowledge about caring for the for the land. I was talking about you know uh, yeah, that that feeling of um, there's stop whinging, yeah, stop stop being thankful for what you have. Yep. Uh, there, so there are songs about each, you know, those, that sort of topic matter, and it was just great to have that vehicle to be able to express it. And um, yeah, we kind of blew it out a bit bigger, and and um, Yanya Boston joined, and then uh, you know recently uh, Buddy Sciola has been playing it when we when we go out and play, and it's you know it's, it's, I still love playing that music. Yeah, we have a ball, man. Yeah, I, the making of that album was a lot of fun. We mm. we basically did it at home. Right, we went and. Um, recorded a bunch of things on two-inch tape, took it to Andro's bedroom and we just did it ourselves, just mixed it ourselves, ghetto. You know, it sounds like shit. <laughs> but, you know, it was the best we I could do at the time. No, no, that's that's, yeah, that's a horrible thing to say because yeah. Andro did, worked his ass off and he did a great job. But we, we just had, you know, minimal gear and yeah, just, just yeah. got it done. It was it, So in that regard, it's a success story. We just yeah. we had, you know work cranking his poor computer to right. to its utmost trying to run as many you know plugins as we could to make it, to make it work <laughs> right. um but it was good it was, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that experience yeah that's cool so yeah back from africa if we missed something between getting home and and that band no that was kind but of it's just it's just gigging in there yeah gigging yeah um sort of working up the food chain as an md yeah right. really that's all that really happened in that in, in that period was just you know uh so what's involved in working up the food chain so to speak <laughs> well it's just getting to know people or waiting for someone to move on that kind of thing i suppose yeah there is that there is that element but just also just um uh, people knowing that you what you are and you're available and that what yep. you um uh if they've seen some of your work you know that's the hardest thing is right. actually I mean, after a while, it kind of snowballed, and people would be calling because because I've already worked with a bunch of other people. Yep. But um, the fir- the hardest part, and for especially for up and coming MDs, is just to get a couple of runs on the board so that you've right. got some sort of product to share. And, yeah, right. And show, but well, you know, I can do this. Harder I, to share back then too, eh? No social media. No, nah, man, it's all word of mouth. Yeah. It was. It was definitely, and that's where I mentioned Peter Northcote. <laughs> Peter Northcote was incredible in in terms of like plugging in with some of the players who were established. And yep. Getting in and playing with them, and uh, you know, instead of just being on the outskirts and, and not really getting in with the guys who were doing stuff, right? You know. So the, what was the, the first? Gigs. What was that first break then? Oh man. Um, well, I, I guess when I joined the Reva band, which which was the we, we had a residency at the um, at the uh, the Sheraton on the park uh, for about 
geez, nine or ten years. And that band, that was they were great musicians. That Yao was in that band, and um, a guy called Eric Rasmussen was on guitar. guitar and it, yeah. They were just really, they were established, and it was like the R and B band at the time. Okay. So there was, and and then we were playing four nights a week, and uh, so that was kind of where I, I got to establish myself as like a. a the R and B guy, okay, you know, uh, or the R and B soul kind of kind of guy, where I was just playing playing that music four nights a week, and people were coming through there. Were a lot of people coming through there, and we had a bunch of international acts come through there too, which was really handy. You yeah, know? Um, so we got to play with some heavy hitters. That mm. was that was kind of cool, but yeah, that that period of playing in that band set up a lot of opportunities. You know, mm. so I started doing work for Sony around that time. Mm. And um, that's where I sort of I did a, a few hits with Human Nature, and then I took on Guy Sebastian in that time. Um, yeah, so that was um, yeah that that created opportunities, and and then um, those performances that have that, that give you that product to, to be able yeah, to yeah. put you on the map. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, since then I, I I guess I've just kind of take on. I've never, I haven't had to chase had to chase work for that's great quite some time, which is which is which is cool. It's nice, great. hey. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. With four know, kids. Yeah, look, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the reality, brother. Yeah, you know? yeah. I've got I've got four kids um, who I I want to spend lots and lots of time with. Yeah, yeah. And so the the idea is to work, you know, smart, not hard. Yep. I work with uh, when I do work, I work really hard. Like last week for this. Firefight gig. Yep. I, I would. Have, I was sleeping three hours a night. Okay, so that, that's it's no joke because I'm I'm I'll, not going to fail. It's, it's, it, failing um, on a gig that size is not even something that I'm prepared to accept. So it was like, okay, well, you're going to sweat this out for a week, you know. Yeah. And then now this week, I'm I'm not. I didn't take any gigs because I knew yeah. I'm, I'm putting in big. And then you know, today, I just spent all day with my son. Cool. And you know, we just went on bike rides. Took him to lunch. But I went to lunch with the Martinez family. And we had like a boys' day out. Awesome. It was mad. Um, so sort of, I, I ensure there's an there's an inherent balance of some kind. So when I work, I work really intensely and hard. And yep. then I try, you know, now I'm smart enough to be able to go. Okay, stop it now. Make some money. Yeah. And then spend some time with your family. And really nice to be in a position where you can have that break and have them still call you. Yeah. When they're yeah. ready. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, I still make myself available, you know, all the time. Yeah. But um, if if you're, I guess if you're established and you can um, set a, a, a value on yourself. Sure. That means that that time you you are working intensely, but you, you, you're um, taking care of your family and you're financially looked after, then you can afford to not do things for a week and and that's what that's kind of what i've been sort of trying to do for a long time right Right. is is because you know i'm i love being a dad as much as i love anything else so it's always been really important to me to spend super quality time with my kids and and as a consequence i got uh, amazing relationships with even my 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 daughter's 15 yeah you know Got, I have, uh, you know, I have the best relationship with her. Yeah. You know, like we are literally, um, you know, kindred spirits. She tells me everything. Great. There's none of, uh, uh, there's no like, um, 
you know, people talk about in teenage years there's a departure from, you know, sharing and, and they just go into their rooms and, and, and just become these like hibernating creatures. You know, there's none of that, man. She's, we are, we talk about everything in it. And that's, that's a result of um, that something uh, went off in my, in my brain when I became a father to just think, oh, okay, you, you have to, you have to create the balance yeah. because the industry and, and people are not going to give you the balance. Yeah. They're going to ask you to work yourself to the bone. They're going to ask for more than, you know, you're prepared to give or you, or you can just make it, you can make tons and tons and tons of money because you just work all day, every day. Yeah. Um, or you can, you can, you know, set a good benchmark, like a healthy, I'm not talking about being greedy. Yeah. You make good money and then you, you, you have a balance with the kids. Yeah. I remember I did this, before Indy was born, in Indy's uh, fifteen now, I did a trek to um, Everest Base Camp. I was going, so I, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be a dad. I'm not going to, um, not going to get the opportunity to go away too much anymore. So I thought, okay, I'll go to Nepal and I'll trek up to Everest Base Camp. So I trekked all the way up to uh, this place called Kalapatur, which is like you you go above base camp and you look down on base camp, and uh, I kind of was. Um, that was the point where I, I, I stood up on this 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 peak, and I was and I I said like a little prayer. I was like, um, because I knew there was that um, that that part of me that that potentially could just work 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 and not be a good dad and be that absent father. Yeah. So I I said a little, when I got there, the whole point was like I'm gonna, I made a little prayer that I said, well, I'm, I'm going to leave behind the bad parts of me, and. And anything that I think is good and wholesome, I'm going to bring that into fatherhood, and that's that's what I'm going to do from now on. Awesome. So I, I I did this little, little ritualistic thing up up in, in in Everest, and I shouted out her name, and it echoed through <laughs> the Everest mountain. It was a very romantic idea, and then that was kind of I just made the decision then that that's that's how I was going to do things from then on, and and it's kind of it's kind of worked out, you know, um, because. You know, I'm measuring my success by those relationships with my kids, as well as yeah, yeah. I'm playing with. I'm lucky to play with some beautiful artists mm. and some successful people, and mm. get get to do some big hits with cool nice stuff. crowds. Yeah. yeah, but it's all it's all a balance, and um, it's it's so far it's working out all right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Mm. Um, I did want to talk because I'm curious about. Um, not being a musical director because that's never mm. going to happen, but just that what that job entails. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not asking you to give away trade secrets or no, no, no we can like, do it. We can do it all, brother. Yeah, I'm, sweet. I'm open. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I'm like I'm a, I'm a fan of music and I'm a fan of instruments and mm. I'm just fascinated. That's probably the main reason I started this podcast, as as well as getting people's stories, mm. but. Just learning about yeah, you want to get into the minutia of yeah, it. yeah. I yeah. understand. Um, <clears throat> no, let's do it. Well, whatever, uh, wherever you think you want to want to go. I mean, there's a fair bit to it, but let's just yeah, yeah. let's just pick it apart. If you got yeah. some questions, I'll I mean, you have you have spoken a little bit about it already. Mm. Um, just the sheer amount of time that it takes, but um, mm. like I was say for example, okay, let's talk about this firefight gig. Yep. Um, and let's just say, Jess, Malboy, you, you get the go-ahead. Um, as the musical director, where does that job 
start at that point? Yep. And, and what's involved? What do you, what mm. what's just saying, Daryl? Go do your. Th- what's your th- What's your thing? What is the thing that you you are doing there? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, I, I've had a relationship with Jess for well over twelve years. Okay. So we have a mutual trust that's like pretty next level. Gotcha. Um, so we got the go ahead for the gig. So the first thing we want to talk about is uh, what music do we want to share? Yep. Given that in this instance we have fifteen minutes, right? Right. So there's a restriction. Is, sorry, is there a brief from them? What no, they want? Nothing. It's just uh, wow, you, have, that's great. you have 15 minutes, go nuts. Great. That's right? awesome. And, you know, you get some restrictions. You get some restrictions on, you know, uh, what content you can I understand have, that. video yeah. content you can have, you mm. know, like what – there wasn't too many restrictions on what production we could have, but there yeah. are some limitations. Obviously, the 10-minute changeover is a limitation. Right. So you don't want to be bringing on, like, a massive set and things like yeah. that, right? Um, so in terms of creative direction, you kind of got to rein it in. But right. So we'll get we'll get that – We'll get that call. You've got 15 minutes, 10-minute changeover. It's going to be tight. Everyone's doing it for free, so just, like, don't go stupid. Yeah. So the first conversation that Jess and I will have is, is something to the effect of, okay, well, what, what songs do you want to do? Yeah. What's um, – what, what are – you know, so we'll talk about what are people expecting to hear, mm-hmm. what can we do that's fresh, mm-hmm. what can we deliver. So because we, you're promoting as well. Yeah, of, of course, man. At the end of the day, everybody, everybody there. Everybody's there um, pushing their product. Yeah, no doubt, no mm-hmm. doubt. And – um, so within the set, we might discuss, uh, you know, songs that need to be delivered because her, her fans love those songs. Okay. And so we'll, we'll put one of those songs in there. And then there might be something where she goes, oh, but, you know, uh, there's one of my newer ones that I like that I feel like I want to, I, I want to progress and I, I would like to take my fans on that journey and for them to hear too, right? Uh-huh. So we'll, we, we have that basic discussion about what songs are going to be in the set. And then... You know, we need we, we talk about the flow of the set. So, you know, typically, and over oh, 15 minutes is not a great example, but in a longer gig, which might be, you know, uh, you know 75 minutes or whatever, yep. sometimes we, we do concerts that's, you know, 70, 75 minutes long, mm-hmm. you might want to talk about the journey of, 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 of the gig. So, yep. you know, you, you, how you're going to open, you know, you have a little bit of a, sort of a contour to the set and mm-hmm. then you might drop and, you know, have an acoustic section or something, and then then some ballads, and then build back up, and, and then end the gig on a big hit, right? Yep. yep. Um, so even within the fifteen minute uh, parameters, we, we we're talking about okay, how can we kind of deliver that emotional uh, feeling mm-hmm. uh, in that in that time? So yeah, so we, we'll discuss the songs, and then we negotiate what they might be. Mm-hmm. She's really great because she, she she's inclusive in, in in myself, and if we want to, we can even take it to, the, to her band, and they can have a say. She's she's super open like that, so mm-hmm. she's very very cool. She has a lot of trust. You, get, you know, trust us a lot with her music. Mm-hmm. Choose the songs, and then we just discuss discuss how we might freshen it up. So that would be where arrangements come in. Mm-hmm. Um. She's also cool with me. Like I reharm and change her music up pretty substantially mm-hmm. sometimes. And as long as it feels good, yep. she's down. Yep. Um, yeah, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I get it wrong. And she's like, yeah, not necessarily feeling that one, right? Yeah, gotcha. And, and then I'll rein it in and we'll, and we'll do something else. Yep. So there's a the set list set, how are we going to freshen it up? And then uh, we just I'll, I'll go to work. So I'll create a demo usually. Mm-hmm. So in the in my studio, I'll probably play most instruments, do a really rough demo to send to the band. Yep. 
um, and send it off to, to them to learn. And so we, we have kind of, especially with the time restrictions we had um, last week, I, I want everybody to be across the music before we hit any kind of rehearsal. Yeah. Usually that's a requirement anyway. Like, right. I'm not teaching you stuff when you rock up to the to the rehearsal, you know the stuff and then we just we're just improving it. We're getting it tight. Yep. You know, I'm not I'm not showing you lines. You need you learn it off what I send you. you know? yep. Um so I'm pretty you know, the boys will tell you in the band that if you interview any of them, I'm pre- I'm pretty strict on them being across the music and they're brilliant. Most music they're so good they can usually just listen to something once and they know it anyway. Yeah, cool. Um so yeah, so we I'll, I'll rearrange it, send it off, and then you know we rehearse. I'll also do any um, if we're going to have anything on playback, like I, I'll I'll add like you know bells and whistles to some playback, you know, like yep. some foley, some explosions and, and yeah, shit. I might even have BVs and stuff. I usually I usually have a, a fair bit of percussion happening on on playback, um, just so it's got the it still has the fidelity of her of her music. Yep. So, you know, because it's in the in the public domain, especially pop music's very it's got that it, it it's it's kind of sheened. I know what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Tell, tell me if I'm not explaining no, 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 it no. in a language but, that makes sense. But someone else may not know. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So so that it, the music is still represented in that sonic sort of soundscape. Yep. And it still makes sense to her bigger bigger fans, right? Gotcha. Because you you don't want to let them down. Yeah. Her, you know, her fans are amazing and they they know what they want to hear, mm-hmm. so I don't want to let them down either. I want I want them to sort of still have that that the feeling they get when they listen to her music on Spotify at home, right? Yep. So uh, I make sure that holistically, when I'm when I'm when I'm incorporating the band and I do some playback, that that's what's being represented in 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 what we're playing. Mm-hmm. And then we do, we do usually do a pre-production, which is where um, our production manager, his name is uh, Ivan, comes in, and we will. We'll actually at rehearsal. We'll multi-track record everything. Okay, and then so we uh, multi-track record everything, and that way we can we actually are formulating mixes, front of houses, front of house mixes for when we're at the gig before we get to the gig. Yep. So with a ten-minute changeover, gotcha, and he's got no time to pull a mix. It's there. You know, it's it's ninety percent of the way there. Yeah, kind right. of thing. So we're ahead of the game. Yeah. That's the, the whole thing, especially with these, uh, you know, festival style gigs, which we do a, a fair, fair few of, is, is preparation is key. Right. So, um, so just stop on that for a sec. Mm. So you're you're preparing that for the for the mix guy, front of house guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So is that something he? Correct me if I'm saying the wrong the wrong like plugs exactly. it into his board type thing, or you're giving you're giving him like a mud map of this here, or is the gear that he's got? You know what? Like uh, front of house gear, he's got. Yeah, it's both. It's pro. It's okay. both. What oh, you're right. saying. So we'll bring in exact same gear as what we're going to use on the festival. Yep. Right. So the same console, same microphones, everything. Everything's right. everything's got to be wow. identical. Otherwise, it doesn't work. It doesn't work out. Wow. And then so we'll pull mixes as close as we can. So it's a full production rehearsal. Yeah. And um, that the re- then you just go to, you get the same console at the festival and you just bring a USB key, pop it in, right. and you recall the same setting. <laughs> It's exactly how it works wow. these days. Yeah. So, which is the beauty of those desks. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there are some uh, things I lament about old analog desks and how they sound, but, you know, the, right. for the most part, the, we need these digital desks these days to be able to navigate our way through these fast changeovers. 27 accent. Bro, <laughs> it was no joke. Yeah. It was no joke. Those guys are sweating. And, yeah, you know, right. I, I just have 
the utmost respect for him. And just like like I told you, my dad did. I went around. I thanked every one of those dudes after we finished. Yeah, wow, right? awesome. Because, you know, they're amazing. Yeah, they're, they're amazing, and they're working just as hard as we are. And they're, you know, I, I do a lot of prep, but you know, those guys on the gig, they're they're there at seven a.m. and they're there till yep. well after midnight. Yeah, you know, so you got to respect that that mm. work ethic. Work ethic is um. Because Queen there. Queen were there the night before, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. And th- I think they said Queen bumped out. Yeah. This concert, th- this show bumped in. Yeah, yeah. And then so Queen would have had to bump a fair bit of their stuff back in Yeah, probably never left. Well, I think my understanding was something like the PA was or was, was there or something. Also, okay. So that I don't know. I, I, I could be talking out of school, but I think they left the PA and stuff in there uh, and they bumped right. out all their stage staging basically. Oh, right. Okay. So the kind of this. this the, the, on I, TV I, I they know, made it sound or, like. Or it could have gone in there fresh. On TV it made, they, <laughs> they made it, Koshi made it sound like they. Bumped everything out, bumped everything back in. But could be the I'm truth. Thinking, could wow. be the truth. I should, you should, we should probably find out because I know um, JPJ uh, did uh, a lot of the, well, if not all the production, but most of most of the production certainly. And right. um, they had just about every dude they have yeah, on, right. on the gig. So even if it was whatever whatever they got managed to put in there is is, is a pretty huge feat to mm. um, to get it up and running. And incredible talking to twenty seven different. You know, yeah. they were literally had a circular, circular uh, sort of uh, band changeover thing happening. And sometimes, you, you know, on on some of the biggies we do, they actually have a rotating stage, but this didn't have it. So everything was on risers, and they were doing yep. line checks on kind of like a B stage thing, where you'd plug in line check, and then that would come out. A multi core would come out, and then you'd go out on the stage, and that multi core would go back in, and then you're on. That's wow. it. Yeah. Pretty high pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For everybody. And we had a few hairy moments, no doubt. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's when you that's when you know you're alive. Yeah, right. In front of 75,000 people and, uh, you know, some of your shit doesn't work. Uh, that's real. Right. So what happened? Uh, just some things to do with, um, you know, a, little, a few cutouts, a couple of um, uh, things that were how playback wasn't, didn't come through um, perfectly. Nobody's fault necessarily. A couple of things to do like DIs, mm. uh, not matching up, you know, uh, channel lists, a little bit different to what's on the spec. You know, oh, right. there's all these little little things that all, they always happen, right. which is perfectly normal on a normal gig. But uh, given that you got 10 minutes to work out what that is, man, you, that's when you're shitting your pants, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. You've got literally minutes before. And they'll start the gig. There, there was no no leniency. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you need a little bit more time? Yeah. No. It was uh, they, uh, they had a clock on the uh, the front of the stage. Oh, so right. that's um, counting down for the sound check and then it's counting down for the performance too. So mm. that part of, part of my job as musical director is to make sure that we're out by under 15 minutes as well. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm on a talkback mic with the band. They can hear me. The, the people in the audience can't hear. And I'm, I'm mm. kind of giving cues. You know where we hit the chorus, where we hit the verse, where we break down, and I'm calling where we hit the endings and all that kind of stuff, and to make sure we're we're on time and we mm. we hit the mark for the, for that 15 minute mark. There's a fit there, and then I'm trying to play piano and play guitar. Yeah. It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. Yeah. It, it it's a lot of pressure. Actually, I, and I I whinge about it, but I, I also I fucking love it. Yeah, that's great. I love the pressure. I love I love that. You know. You get this wrong, and everybody's going to know about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of, like, I do. I, I I thrive on it a little bit. Um, I I listened back to 
I watched the both sets on YouTube last night. Mm. I can't. I couldn't hear any anything in the Jess set. Nothing stuck out to me. Then I'm doing my job. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because there are things going wrong. Yeah, there are I things was, going wrong. I, I mean, because I, yeah. I watched that. To I was watching you. Right. Of course, I'm watching the band as well. But yeah, because we're talking today, I wanted to see. Right. What's what he doing? You're doing up there? <laughs> is he actually doing anything, or is he just faking it? Yeah. You're just doing. You know. <laughs> of course, I, like I know about the whole talk back mic, or what do they call it, the mic of God, or whatever. Yeah, they, yeah. So got people yeah. Different things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. Now with the um, with the Delta thing, um, mm. being musical director for Delta, is it as 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 encompassing as it is with Jess? She's very hands on. Delta, yeah, Del- right. Delta is um, because I think maybe because she plays piano as well. She, okay. and she's always got a very clear vision okay. about what she she likes. Yep, and um, and her her process is is very different. Uh-huh. Actually, every every artist's process is different. Yeah, of course. So, um, part of you know how I was telling you how my dad knew how to speak multi you know, different yeah, ways yeah. to different people. It's yeah. exactly it's no different when I'm so when when I'm working with her, she's um, she's got a, a pretty good sort of uh, I guess classical background. So I can talk to her in that language, and she gets it. Gotcha. And and we definitely connect on that level because you know I, I've done that, and I know that she likes that style of music. Mm-hmm. So we we um, we have you know, great creative sessions where that's kind of like um, the, the genesis of yep. things that we create. And um, she uh, thinks very, I guess, emotionally. And she, she um, especially when we, we we did a tour a couple of years ago called Wings of the Wild Tour. Mm-hmm. And so we that had a lot of transitional music and a lot of sort of incidental music as well. So mm-hmm. she's all about experience, yep. which is which is and I, I love working with her for that reason. It's just um, she's she's up for um, taking people on journeys, you know. Like, yeah. And and can can be a little bit random too. I, right. I, I just dig it. So yeah, but she's she's pretty clear on what she wants, and so a lot of a lot of my job there is to is to extract what she's trying to, to say and do, and to translate it into into musician talk, into, um, you know, if we're doing string arrangements or, you know, it's to, to translate it into the other, into the areas that sort of expresses exactly what she's, what she's looking for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so far it's, it's, it's great. I, I think we actually work well together for that reason. We've yeah. Got, we've got right. a pretty good, our language is very similar. Mm. Yeah. But it's different. Right. It's a different process. Mm. Um, uh, a guy was a different kind of vibe again, you know. Um, uh, you know, it, it, every one of the human nature guys, I've done a little bit of work with them recently, mm-hmm. they know exactly what they want. Right. Exactly. Be doing it a long Down time, man. Yeah. Exactly, brother. They, so um, everyone's different. <clears throat> and I think the only, the only time you come into any issues is when you refuse to um, understand that person's language and you just kind of want to project your language onto them. Yeah. Yeah. That's when things come unstuck, yeah. right? You know, I like for example, if I if I brought my 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 R and B reham mentality into Delta's gig, I'd be there two days. Yeah, right. Right. If I started turning out her music and putting <laughs> like mad drum hits and shit in it, yeah, she's going to be she'd be like, yeah, um, can we can we look for another dude? This is not working out. And I, I totally understand why. Right. So, 
Um, and it's about kind of checking your ego. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, we all got our things we want to say and do. But ultimately, I, I'm, and this is what I learned from playing with my mum, mm. I'm slave to the song. The yep. song and the melody mm. and the lyric is boss. Mm-hmm. If I blanket that, if I cover it, then it's over. Mm. Now, I, I probably used to get a backhand when I was a kid. <laughs> But now I just won't get the job, right? That's it, eh? <laughs> so, and you um, might have to work three weeks in a row. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I love that. I also love that about the, the MD role is that it changes all the time, man. Yeah. I mean, because if for someone who's probably got ADD, it means I'm doing something new all the time. I'm fresh. I have to mm-hmm. change hats. I love yep. it. When, when do you feel, when is most the pressure? Um, gig day or the lead up? I mean, it sounds like like you know you're saying you you put a lot of hours in sort mm. of yeah, off it the gig. It depends because I always try to be prepared for um, when I when I bring things to musicians, right? You know, because mm. no one wants to rock up to a, a rehearsal completely unprepared, especially as an MD. You know, yeah, like, yeah. This is the conversation I have with a few people: is that I don't want to I don't want to be the, the 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 least educated dude in the room about the artist's music. <laughs> Right, yep. I should really be across everything mm-hmm. uh, when I walk into that room. Yeah, sometimes, most of the time, I think I get it right. Sometimes mm. I don't. Mm. Um, that's just how it goes. But um, the, in terms of pressure, yeah, I, I think the prep is a fair bit of pressure. And I mean, then the execution is something. I guess I'm more familiar with the gig side of things. Yeah, I've been it. doing that since I was a kid. Yeah. So there's less, less pressure, um, but still, you know. When when things don't go perfectly on the gig, that's when, yeah, that's when you know you're alive and yeah, you know, the old butthole tightens up <laughs> <laughs> and you start, yeah, you, know, you become very awake. But yeah. I, I, but I also like I like uh, I always I say this to some of the, the kids I do clinics with in um, uh, when I especially want to go home about being nervous, you know, about being under pressure. It's it's actually you know, like physiologically, it's how you want to be. Mm. You actually want to be, you, you want your heart rate raised a little bit. You want your, you know, your pupils to be dilated. You want to be like aware. You want to be switched on. That's you, that's exactly where you want to be. Otherwise, yep. you probably don't care yep. and you're not going to do the best, your, your best work, you know. You need you need to be in that state, but but in that state controlling it, yep. if that makes sense. So you don't want to switch nerves off. You just want to point them in the right direction. So I actually quite, kind of like pressure. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, you you talked a little bit about um, the playback in a in a normal tour type show. Um, do you have contingencies for playback not working? Yeah. 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 So like back <clears throat> backup playback. Yeah. That yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. So okay. Um, more often than not, we'll we'll run you know two laptops and they'll okay. be synced. And then you you have uh, you know sometimes we use a what's called a, a radial switcher, which basically means there's two shows running. If if, if a sing- signal is lost from one laptop, mm-hmm. it automatically switches switches over to the other one. Okay, that's kind of the traditional version. <clears throat> um, we I've been using uh, this uh, piece of gear called a Cymatic uh, U-Track U- Twenty Four. And you can use two of those. It does the same thing. It's essentially the same thing. Uh, a lot of people use uh, a device called uh, Play Audio 12. does the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's an audio box with two USB ins. You run two laptops. Right. You have to. 
You have right. to. I mean, you know, we, we've had, I've had, um, you know, 8,000, 9,000 seater arena shows where both contingencies have gone down. Fuck. And we've had to, I've, I've even, I used to be super pedantic, pedantic where I'd have, you know, playback, redundancy, and then a, a two track running as well. So yeah, I had right. like three of these things because <laughs> I was so nervous about this shit not going right. But, um, but that's why also why you have a band. That's yeah. why you have real players. That's it. Yeah. Um, so, because the, the one time that happened, um, it all fell over, and and I just like I'm on the, what do you call it? The mic of God. I'm on I'm on the MD <laughs> mic, and I'm just saying, okay, it's it's just us. We're off click. Let's go, and the band just rises, you mm-hmm. know. And when you got good players, everybody just steps up. Yep. And and in this instance, the artist didn't even notice. So. That's why we have real players, yeah, yeah, and real good players, yep, on stage, yep. Even though, look, we got you know, I'm, I'm also I don't like having a lot on that playback anyway. Okay, I'm not a big fan of you know people run most of the show off yeah, playback. Right. It just doesn't make any kind of sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't have that human swagger. Mm-hmm. It need you need to have. The human the, the human element needs to be greater than the, the machine. Gotcha. I, I don't know. That maybe that's just my old school, mm-hmm. old school mentality. It's got to feel good, and um, even though some programming can f- feel good, it, it never feels like a living, breathing drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, playing through something, mm-hmm. living in the moment, playing the crowd, playing. You know, yeah, man. That that it, it wiggles, I'll, and I like it. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a I'm not a big fan of having a lot on playback anyway. So mm. if it goes down, you know, we are we're going to step up, mm. but it's not going to be sadly it's not going to be sadly missed. Yep. You know do, what you, I mean? do you get to choose the players, or does the artist choose the players? Um, or, or most do you, of the time, do you recommend- most of the time, I'll, I'll choose the I'll choose the players. Yep. And then, um, you know, if they don't work out, too, I'll recommend others. But yep. So. I mean that's that's an interesting side of being an MD is mm. is the reason why I, I choose players yeah, like yeah, yeah. there there are there are some you know we all know you've interviewed half of <laughs> half of <laughs> Australia's elite amazing musicians and there's there's some you know, crazy technically brilliant musicians and um, but a, the thing that I always remember is you know we're an hour on stage. And then for eight hours of that day, yeah, we've been on a plane. You know, we've been on, you know, a Tarago, then a plane, then a, then another Tarago, then a sound check, and then blah, blah, blah. so it's the hang, right, bro? It's exactly that. Mm-hmm. It's it's got everything to do with the the the, the cohesion of the band, to to do with um, you know how much someone really wants to participate, and that's yeah. like socially, that's you know their love of the music. It's got everything to do with the hang yeah it's got if 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 a person is abrasive and you've got to spend that amount of time with them it's just not going to work out they can be the world's greatest player yeah yep. it's just not going to work out so you know a lot of the time as md i'm, I'm th- and i'm also thinking you know what are all these people as a you know how are they going to the matrix of all these people together is it going to work out gotcha. is that bass player going to like that guitarist or you know but oh, hang on do they get along with the drummer you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah their personality is going to be a bit grating and i'm also you know i'm also trying to find people who who maybe their personalities are quite different too because you want 
you want the colors that people bring to your pro- the project to be different. Yeah, I don't. I don't want all yeah, yeah. the same style of player because then put, I don't know. You got no colors to. Yep. Because I mean, you know, I do that intentionally. Yep. You know, some because um, the, the I think what I'm supposed to bring to artists' music is is that that it's not reworked, but it's it's refreshed and it's um, revitalized a lot of the time because a lot of these artists have been playing these songs that we're doing for quite some time, especially, you know, you know, Delta and Jess. They, they, I mean, Delta's been playing her music for since she was, what, 15 or something and, you know, same with, with Jess or and even the other, yeah. whatever artist you're working with. They they like it to be presented in, an, in a, sometimes a fresh way or a new way or mm-hmm. revisited. So having players in the band that can bring different colours is really important. Yep. Not just clean robots. Gotcha. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of the time now I'm just I'm thinking about all those those elements. Are, are, they, are they a good hang? Yeah, they've got to be able to play. Yeah, but that, that, that's a given. Is there, as part of the unit, are they going to work out? You know, is there are they bringing something different? Um, I mean, Have you, has there ever been a situation where you've put a band together, mm. brought it to the rehearsal and the, and the artist has said? Yeah. You don't have to answer this one, by the way. No, I'm yeah. not going to name names, but no, yes. No, 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 of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, there's it's been times when I thought I had it nailed and and it hasn't been a good fit mm. for the artist. For the artist, yeah. Yeah, they've just gone, no, nah, it's not working for me, you know. And see, I might not understand it. Yeah. Because I'm I'm like, are you kidding? I feel like they <laughs> yeah, they, they nailed it, but um, they've got to feel comfortable. That's it. And so yeah, I've had to change out people, and it's right. it's uncomfortable. But yeah, yeah, the I, I'm I'm usually not usually I am honest with them. I just say they weren't feeling it, and, and um, that's not to say you're not an amazing musician and you're not going to go on to have, to play, um, have an amazing career and play with whoever you want. Just doesn't just this one is yep. just this wasn't. It's, it's kind of like a, it's an ugly breakup. Yep, uh, yeah. you know it's like, <laughs> it's just not working out. You know. <laughs> You're a lovely person. And then it's you not go, you, it's me. Then you go and play in a band with them on Saturday night. <laughs> I've had some awkward situations, man, but it, it's um, I, ultimately um, I've had it only happen I think maybe once or twice. Yeah. And ultimately they just respect that I was honest with them. I didn't just sort of go uh, or, or not not say anything at all and then, oh, they find out someone else is on the gig and they don't get oh, that's, that's I think that's. That's not cool. Yeah, I just think it's cowardly. I, yeah, I would totally. rather I would rather speak. Uh, man to man or, or man to woman, whatever the situation has been, just say it just didn't work out, and they, if, they, if they're not feeling it, you know, um, if the artist's not feeling it, you don't want to be here either. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable for you. I mean, um, and usually I'm I'm lucky in that sometimes if I believe in these people, I'll I'll, I'll get another job for them. Yep. You know, like I have people that I you know that's I, cool, man. I go, I, you know, when I lecture at AIM and all that, I I've, I've found people from there and. I've managed to to plug them into thing, things because mm. they just I I just think they're they're amazing and their work ethic's good and and I just love the way they they um they're, they're committed to the to having a career in music and stuff. So I'll find I'll find a place for them. You know, if it's not in that band, it didn't work out. Oh, well, yeah. I'll I'll get I'll, I'll find something that's gonna it, it will work out. That's right? cool, man. Yeah. Mm. TV. You did used to do the weekend sunrise. Is it sunrise? Yeah, yeah. You used to do that a few years back, mm-hmm. um, and then last year you did um, Dancing with the Stars, mm-hmm. which is now being moved to Melbourne. Yeah, 
right? So um, I was talking to someone about that. I said, oh, you, you got, um, must have uh, Dancing with the Stars coming up. And he's like, nah, man. Like we were, we were lined up to do it mm. and then Disney bought Fox or something. Uh, yeah, they. I think the Disney bought the Fox space. And then, the space yeah. where we were supposed to do it was rented out yeah. by Disney or something like that. So yeah. it just meant just meant oh, it's not going to be Sydney based, so it's Melbourne based, and it's just a it's a understandable financial decision. You know, yeah, yeah. I I, I wasn't really worried about it. I mean, because okay. if if I was in the position of the people making choices there, I would be like, am I going to fly, you know, eight or nine musicians down, put them up in hotels? For a long time, it's going yeah. to cost me a lot of money. Or am I just going to hire some of the great guys, local guys? That's it. Yeah, I just I got a call from the MD asking me about a few few of the players. You know, would you would you say these would these guys be good on TV? And I'm yeah yeah they're killer. Get them. Yeah, awesome. They're 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 good. Oh, it's disappointing, but that's honestly that's just the the nature of the music industry is is it's so um, I don't want to say unreliable, but it, you you have to be you have to weather the storm a lot of the time yeah, and gotcha. you, so when things are going good yeah you got to save some bank mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and have that for when things aren't great yep that's just that's just the this is the jungle we live in mm. how much time were you given how much like like if you knew filming was going to start at a certain time were you were you guys mm. actually given the green light or basically told that yeah we're probably going to be doing it just hold off or it was uh, on a week-to-week basis, essentially. Oh, yeah. Right. So um, because also there's kind of like um, they don't want to disclose what's going to be happening because of course. it might get out into the public and then it kind of spoils the whole sure. the whole show, which is totally understandable. We yep. we would get, you know, the best case scenario is, is sort of uh, six days out and then okay. worst case scenario, we've had songs change like two days out. Yep. And for, for the last one too, I was doing um, arrangements as well. So it meant I had to learn my part and then also write out um, a bunch of the charts and stuff for for, for the band. Mm. Um, so that was that was a high pressure. Yeah, yeah. Stint. Um, yeah, that was yeah. TV is a whole other beast. Yeah, because um, things happen so fast. I mean, so, you, you mentioned Sunrise. That was. I mean, we loved it. But the the talk about getting noticed for stuff like we so we'd be in an ad break, and the director would be in my ear, so we'd have an earpiece, and she'd say, "Oh, oh can you can you play something to do with um, autumn, <laughs> or <laughs> or you know, sing something with diamonds in it uh, coming out of the break, right?" So <laughs> then I'm on the I'm on the MD mic to 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 Pete Donald and, and Kevin just going right, oh, okay, well we got to do. You know, Rihanna diamonds or diamonds or a girl's best friend. You, I mean, and then we're just going, okay, let's get the what key. And so, you know, this is like, yeah, we've got a, maybe a minute and a half on the break, and you got to pull this out. And it's, it's, and that's that's when you know, that's when you're grateful for people like Pete Northcote, yeah, because <laughs> he's a, he's an almanac of, uh, yeah. I don't know if almanac's the right word, but he's a, he's just a, like a encyclopedia of music, and he was just the Swiss Army knife. In, in that situation. So, um, you know, I made the right decision asking him to be part of it. Mm. Um, but, you know, when you you got to, when you learn to play by ear, that's something you pro- probably should be able to yeah. do. Yeah. That's kind of next level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, you know, like you got 
I think that on average had a viewership of like, I don't know, 400, 500,000 people or something. It was, the pressure was there. That's and we knew it. Yeah. yeah. And all the count ins, count offs, cut offs. So you, and you're trying to play music and you've got someone, you know, you've got two or three people talking to you while you're trying to play stuff. Yeah, right. It's just a whole other beast, man. It's yeah, a whole wow. other beast. Yeah, it took me a while to get used to it. Was that your first TV? No, shot? no. Oh, okay. I, I'd done a bunch of, uh, bunch of TV hits before that. Um, that was that was a, a sort of a residency. So we were there for every weekend for um, yeah. I don't know, like a year or maybe a year and a half or something. Mm. So that was where I, I think I, I got to be comfortable in that environment. Yeah, as comfortable as you can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you got some, yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I loved it. The only thing I didn't love was the you know four a.m. Yeah. Uh, camera calls on a Sunday morning after bro, and and you Saturday play till gig. you know you <laughs> yeah. might have a gig twelve one o'clock the night before. So didn't you... um, didn't you guys play the day after Kevin's wedding? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that would have been rugged. But yeah. you know we, yeah, you had to be we had to be there and switched on. Yeah, and um, yeah, four a.m. call there till like ten. So it's a, it was a good, good six hour. Six hours stint. There was a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you got to record with Kanye. Yeah. Right. How did that go down? How did that come about? What, um, were, you, what were you doing? And... and well, he was in town doing um, doing the hit with you two, and I think he just wanted to. He wanted like a creative session, mm. and so he hired hired out three hundred one, and he he was just asking about someone who could. You so know. when Kanye hires out 301, that's the whole of 301. Yeah, this was when, when 301 was you know, back in the other uh, other space with the, the orchestra, mm. with the big orchestra room. And mm. So, yeah, he, he hired out the, the whole big space there. Um, and, he, yeah, he put, he put out the call for a, uh, someone who could play keys and, and, and could contribute sort of creatively on some stuff. And so um, I just went in there. I took... Uh, took a few, a couple of keyboards. Yeah. Um, Connie from uh, Sneaky Sound System was in there as well. Mm-hmm. She was doing. She ended up being on a few of the tracks as well. Mm-hmm. And I think I did three days in there with him. Mm. And it was just a case of me playing in the corner, just vibing on some changes and stuff. And he would randomly pull up some beats, and I'd just play what I felt over it. Mm. Um, and then he'd go, "Yeah, that." Right, that do that again, and then we sort of uh, grab it in real time, just the audio, and then we go back do it again, grab the MIDI or whatever as well, um, and it was just that. That was that was kind of the process, and right. um, yeah, I, I offered up some sort of at the time some vocal ideas and stuff as well, which was which was fun, and man, he worked, bro. Yeah, whatever, right. whatever, whatever your your feelings are about him as a as a, as a human. His, I learned a lot about work ethic from that dude. I mean, he was at the board for, you know, 12, 14 hours pretty much straight. Oh, right. And he's not only working the board with me, working on music ideas, he's got a dude uh, behind us on a laptop working yeah. on his clothing label, another <laughs> another guy, yeah. um, you yeah. know, sourcing samples. Right. And then he's got another guy on the phone, he's testing his raps with him, like yeah. he's, he's doing some of his rhymes over the phone and getting and bouncing some ideas off another. So he's doing four or five things at once. Mm. And so I thought that was great. I, I was inspired by that. I, wow. I thought, bro, you, whatever, you, you sweat, 
you sweat and you you earn everything you get. Mm. So um, he kind of earned my respect in that regard, you know. Oh, the, he probably needs to think about a few of the things he has to say. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but um, you know, you, his his work ethic was undeniable, man. Right. He, he was he was pretty awesome. And um, did your work make the? Yeah. So oh, I um, he we did a track called "Can't Tell Me Nothing." It won a, I think it won a Grammy. Wow. And man. Um, yeah, and um, luckily I found out that if you play on something like that, you can. You, there's this is like you can get money for it even if you're not uh, a writer a writer yeah yeah so actually terrify richmond from mm-hmm. you know, i don't know if you've interviewed him from you. whitlam's was the yeah. one who's told me yeah dude register it and so i registered it man and so yeah it, it still makes money which is great yeah cool yeah and so it was a overall a pretty positive experience yeah uh, i feel pretty grateful mm. but the it was we were in there and we're doing these little um, little vocal, these grabs things. And then, um, so, and Connie's in the booth, she's singing. And then uh, Bono w- walks in. <laughs> so Bono and, uh, and, and uh, what's his name? The Edge. Edge walks in too. And Bono just walks straight over to the mixing, the console, and just starts moving faders like he owns the... <laughs> Joint and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that should go there, man. Yeah, and then and he's like, we're trying to work, and Kanye's obviously trying to still extract stuff from us and make it work. And he's going, oh yeah, I got this deal with Moat Roller. I'm gonna, you know, gonna feed all the, the needy people. And he's just like, <laughs> just walking in, just on this this bizarre trip. And then um, was he was he stirring shit, or was, did he think he was actually? I, I think he was serious, bro. Oh. I mean, that was my that was my read of it. it was like, hey, you think? I guess he thought he was contributing to to the whole process. And then look, and, and then they left, and then so Connie and I are looking at each other, and we're going, "What just happened, man? What? This is, you know, this is bizarre." Mm. And then so Connie's looking at us, going, "Whoa, what's what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you guys?" And we're like, "Bro, you got to understand, you know, like this is Australia. We we, we uh, you know, we last night we were playing at such and such. Here we are. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's like we don't often have Bono walk into our sessions here, and he goes. And he said to me, "What am I, chopped liver?" Yeah. I'm like, "Well, oh, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough, mate. All right, yeah, but you know, Bono is a, it's pretty significant. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was a that was a that was a good fun experience, man. Mm. You know, um, I, I learned about work ethic. I think. Yeah. From that. Um, you're telling me a bit of, bit of a story about the D1 cartel. Yeah, we, we were on tour in Japan, and we we had a we had a hit down in uh, I think somewhere outside of Osaka. And um, we had Japanese management um, at the time rock up to this gig. Um, it's on a port, and there's you know these these big beautiful ships on the on the port right right near where we're playing. And um, uh, so that we're about we're, we're going to go up and, and do the show, and we're in we're in the side tent of this festival thing. And we're about to play, and then um, Andro. Just runs in from 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 outside. He goes to me, bro. I've got to talk to you. I've got to talk to you. I've got to talk to you. It's it's pretty urgent. I'm like, what, man? We're, we're literally about to go on. It's like a couple of minutes out. They're about to announce the band. And he goes, do you know this is a this is a whaling festival gig? <laughs> and I and I just my heart just I just dropped. I shat my pants. And I was like, right. you are you are you are you serious? And he's going, yeah, I'm serious, man. I can't. I'm, I'm not, I can't play. 
I can't. I, yeah. not, we can't go on and play this. Yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm pulling the gig. I'm like, <laughs> I'm 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 trying to explain to Japanese management. No, we're not going on. Pull it, cut it, and um, and then I'm I'm having this conversation with management, and the management are trying to trying to you know speak to me in, in broken English or something. And then I look behind me, and Andre's just pissing himself <laughs> laughing. This guy. It turns out it turns out it's like um. Some festival that celebrates the re- the return of some fleet or something, and he just bullshitted me <laughs> hard. Set set me up, but I've I've um, never been so embarrassed. Do you ever get him back? <laughs> We're still working on it. No, I should. I yeah, should. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna make that happen. But yeah, <laughs> you got me good. Yeah. Have you ever thought of a solo career going going solo? Yeah. I will look. We, I've kind of explored that side of things a little bit and I've done a bunch of gigs with with the band playing my music and and mm-hmm. I, and I love it but I I I do love my MD life as well you know yeah, I like right. and and playing other people's music and making that happen I I do enjoy that um I don't see it as a sort of um you know side side man Gig, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm participating in something that's especially, especially with artists like Jess Malboy. You know, I'm part of. I feel like I'm part of something that's important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've done the solo thing, and I still do. I mean, I'm still. I'm working on an EP. I've got six tracks ready to go. I'm oh, going to get it mixed and released, and I'm. I still want to be a, a creative entity within my own right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's important to satisfy that part of our, our makeup. But um, yeah, I, I like to do both. Uh, yeah, cool. I really think, I think if I was just to go to to be a solo artist and 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 travel that, for want of a better word, lonely path. Yeah, I think I'd miss the 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 kinship and uh, you know the, the the family vibe of, you know, putting acts together and and working on projects. I think I'd miss it. Yeah. So I, I like to do both, man. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to live in both worlds. Can you tell us a little bit about the the EP? What kind of music? What, what you, yeah, where your headspace is with that. Yeah, well, I, I said before the first album we made, we, we made just sounded like a bunch of young men losing their minds. A lot of information. <laughs> a lot of information. <laughs> a lot of information. This this I feel like is um, you know I, I don't like to write fluffy music. Okay. Uh, uh you know uh, I don't write necessarily write love songs and um, you know or just throw away things. Uh, I. I I really pain over lyrics and storytelling. Mm. I like to get it right, but this this version is is much more simple, you know. So I've I've done some really pretty string arranging and um, got uh, a, you know a lot of live playing live instruments. Like I was telling you, I'm playing woodwinds and stuff on there, and I'm yep. just I'm trying to and but I'm you know still a fair amount of programming in um, you know. I like I like the colors. I, I actually enjoy synthesis, so you know I'm a, I'm a synth player as well. So I like to I like to go go for those sounds. But yep. there's a little bit of trickery in there, but not much. So I'd I'd say it's a little bit simpler. Um, the storytelling is a little, a little bit more direct, um, but still still real. And I've you know I think I've done some stuff that's pushing some boundaries. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm and playing and singing everything. Yeah. Great. First time doing everything myself. Mm-hmm. Um, which is scary because I'm sure I'll get some things wrong. But 
but um, it's kind of something I needed to do. It's like, like it's been a lifetime of preparation. What do you mean get something wrong? How can you get how can you get your own music wrong? <laughs> oh, you can. There's always, I guess, there's always people that are going to well, have an opinion. I yeah, suppose. maybe, maybe, maybe there will. But then, yeah, we shouldn't really care too much. Yep. But I, you know, even with the any other music I've released, I've, there's always that that party who's like, oh, what if I just did this? What if I just did yeah that one. Yeah, what, that one, you know, why didn't I just do, play that guitar part again? Or, you know, oh, those BVs I could really, you know, there's always something. So there's even after you give birth to whatever it is you're trying to create, you'll always look at it and think there's something else you could have fixed. So when I say I'm sure I've made mistakes, I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that I'm going to be like, oh, okay. I, I should have probably spent some time on it. But you just need to get it out into the world and That's share. It, eh? And hopefully people will dig it, you know. If they don't, well, stuff you. Yeah, yeah, stuff you, off, bro. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's the what's the next twelve months got yeah. in store for you, Daryl? Yeah, next twelve months. I, I've, I've, I know I've got a, a a couple of tours happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so there'll be all that preparation and. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I'm pretty when, sure when Delta you... and Jess will go out this year. Yep. When do you, oh, so, so there's no dates for that? Uh, we do, but we don't We don't sort of lock anything in. It's usually um, yep. kind of there's so many moving parts of when someone tours, you know, like to, yeah. to get all the dates um, to line up, you know, with yep. venues and all that sort yep. of stuff. So you usually pencil in a time. Okay, then, that's, that's probably what I meant. Yeah, yeah you, yep. you, you, you kind of make a – you only commit to, to dates when you have all that locked. Sure. Um, so there, there'll be a couple of tours there. Um, yeah, hopefully, uh, if I get this EP out into the world, we can, I can start playing that around too in the cool. time that I don't have to be mm. playing with some with other people. Um, support act for the tours, yeah. Hey, there you go. We should sell that to the bosses, <laughs> just have me, yeah, have me on the guitar, bro. I'll be mad, you'll love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that, that'll be it. Yeah, mm. I, I think, uh, and, and and a bunch more clinics and stuff. I've I, I, I've got a few booked to go away. Right. Um. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. Yeah. Awesome, man. Daryl Beden, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Um. My pleasure, bro. Thanks for having it's me. It's been worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, hey. it's been a. I, I looked on our email trails. It was <laughs> October two thousand eighteen. We tried yeah. to make this happen, man. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm, that's all good, man. I'm glad we. It's it's been we're worth do, the wait. We're doing it now, so it's um. Been a pleasure. My pleasure too. All right, DB. Cheers, bro. All right, brother. Later, man. Oh, hang on. I just wanted to say you spent 80% of the interview holding that plastic toast, (laughs) that plastic bird. And I'll take a photo of it and I'll put it on my Instagram. Oh, jeez. My daughter left it here. No, I saw you grab it from down there and bring it up. It was like stress relief. Oh, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it's true. I was was telling Yanya today is like uh, I love talking about music. Yeah. But I'm pretty uncomfortable talking about myself. Right. It's it's something I, I just, I don't know. I, I think I, I, I sort of, um, I, I think I reject it. I don't know why. I, it's, uh, But I think it's important to talk about music. I think, yeah. And sharing is important. Yeah. And if talking about myself means oh, it, I, I show someone else that, oh, that's the path that you can take. Yep to get to some music and have a good time, yep. then I suppose it's worth it. And if you need to be doing that while holding a piece of plastic, plastic toast, toast, mate, 
<laughs> just, just don't try to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> then you're certifiable. Yeah. All right, Daryl, catch your boat. Yeah, bro. Right. Later, guys.